1: It's Wednesday, so it's Wayne on Wednesday with Wayne McCurry from FMB Wealth and Investment Portfolio Manager at that institution. And this podcast is proudly brought to you by Shannett.co.za. Pretty quiet day today, Wayne. We had the futures yes. closeout, but the futures close out had sort of been easing in over the last few days. It wasn't all in one go. There hasn't been much when it comes to results. But I want to go back to last evening at one minute past five, one minute past five when Remgro came out with their results. Yeah. And your attitude towards an investment vehicle like Remgro, which trades at a 35 Rand per share discount to its NAV. How do you approach it in your portfolio management um, sphere, if you like? Okay,
0: just talking generally about investment trusts or investment holding companies. First of all, you've got to like the majority of the underlying investments. Right. In other words, there must be clear view of their underlying investments, if they listed, then you got a clear view. But um, Rembrandt's got quite a few unlisted: uh, the Unilever spreads business, the Toyota uh, (not not Toyota, Total) and quite a few other, the the telecommunications. They've got quite a few other unlisted investments. So you must there must be sufficient enough disclosure by the company so you can make an assessment of that. Now. Maybe not in South Africa, but certainly globally. If you like a particular industry or a particular sector, you can find shares individually. So, in other words, you would never buy an investment house that's trading at a premium to its underlying value. And as you correctly said, they, the shares trading at about a thirty rand, or roughly speaking, a fifteen percent discount to their calculated NAV of which the majority is listed shares. So you can go and work that out yourself. But I will also be honest and say the investment trust, the investment holding company vehicle is a little bit of an, um, let's call it old fashioned way of of buying it a, a, a diversified portfolio. Most people now would just go and buy into a unit trust or, you know, make up the portfolio themselves by buying, Listed And even nowadays unlisted, unlisted vehicles as well to try and replicate that. So then the third thing would be the management of the company it must show that they can do something you can't, they can add more value by the selection of shares. Yeah. Listed and unlisted than what you can do as, a, as, a, as an investor.
1: And also the asset allocation of those shares. I mean, whether it be X amount for a First Rand, X amount for MediClinic and all, the, all yeah. the other things. So it's also um, yes. asset allocation. So yeah, it's a difficult one. Do, do you like yeah. it or not? Do you like this type of vehicle or not? And specifically Remgro.
0: Look, personally, I'm, I'm not a great fan of, of them. If you can get it, if the discount's high enough, which, which in Rembrandt it probably is high enough, a 15% discount, you can buy those assets quite cheaply. But generally speaking, you would want to choose the assets yourself. And most unfortunate for Rembrandt is that, and MediClinic stands out, they haven't done that well in the recent past with their selections. I mean, when you go through their, their report and their statement, they wrote down their own NAV by about 10% in the last year. And that mainly is relating to MediClinic. And a couple of the other smaller ones have not done that well. Mm-hmm. Now, the trend in the last 20 years are for these companies to unbundle their holdings. You know, it's that the trend is moving away from. The Rembrandt type of companies, they were significantly more of them 15, 20 years ago yeah. on the market than what they are now. Yeah, but at this sort of discount, this, mm-hmm. this discount, you're buying first-hand medi-clinic and some other good assets and rainbow foods and distal, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So you're buying them at a 15% discount, why not?
1: If you believe, of course, that the unlisted investments are being fairly valued, that's another factor.
0: Yes, but look, I don't think there's any reason to not do that because if you get sufficient enough disclosure, you can see what the profits are, you can see what the cash flows are, mm. and then you can make your own assessment of the net asset value. I mean, it's not they're not hiding that information from you, so you can at least make your own assessment. Yes. And certainly, other you can these are not by, by and large small little startup, you know, garage outfits. These are you know well established, well documented companies that they own a share in. They just happen to be
1: unlisted. Okay. Uh, not much else on the SENS um, page on ShareNet from um, what I can see. Freedom Property Fund Limited, we'll skip over that one. They came out with their results today to the end of February. Life Healthcare, this is quite interesting. Life Healthcare Group Holdings Limited, acquisition of securities by clients of Alan Grey Propriety Limited, or yes. Alan Grey. They've now got 20.1% of Life Healthcare. Obviously, Alan Grey, big, deep value investors. And, yeah. mm-hmm. Mm, talking about MediClinic and now talking about Life Healthcare. Might not come to fruition for a couple of years, but it's a big stake, Wayne.
0: Yeah, look, these things, the the healthcare companies generally have taken a beating. And that's for effectively one reason, is that governments worldwide are trying to squeeze the profits out of these. They're trying to drop the cost of healthcare to the general population. And this is a growing global Trend. I mean, we've seen that in many instances here in South Africa, of which the biggest is the single exit pricing. You know, governments worldwide are trying to drop the costs of healthcare because healthcare inflation has been two or three percent above normal inflation for thirty years now, if not longer. And you compound that difference over thirty years; it is massive. So, governments are now legislating, and MediClinic in particular, as uh, picked up huge problems in the Middle East and in, well, in South Africa as well, but mainly in the Middle East and in Switzerland because of because of government legislation where they effectively limiting how much you can charge your patients and what you can charge for each procedure, et cetera. So, and this is unfortunately a growing tendency worldwide. Now, deep value managers will say there's got to be bad news around for the shares to be cheap. So we, the bad news doesn't frighten us because it's reflected in the share price and the world still needs health care providers. And if you squeeze the profit out of it, then they're going to close down and the government, governments worldwide cannot. I mean, they've proved singularly inefficient at providing health care to the nation. And that doesn't matter whether you South Africa, the UK or the US, no one in the whole world Actually, likes the or or, or or wants to actually go to the national healthcare type of service because it is vastly inferior to the public, the the the, the private healthcare providers. Mm-hmm. So there will come a stage where governments worldwide will say, we can't squeeze these guys too much because we need them, and then some value may return to the shares, but you don't know when. Now, life healthcare is a little bit different. Um, they they they're doing a lot more diagnostics and stuff like that and quite interesting things that they're doing in the uk and in other parts of europe where they're trying to almost work with the prevailing and trend by enabling hospitals to cut their costs in other words you don't have to have this massively expensive machine in your hospital They've got mobile machines that go from hospital to hospital and clinic to clinic and provide it to you at a fraction of the cost is what you would have to incur should you own the machine yourself. So there are some very interesting things and, and uh, fields that life healthcare is actually going to over and above the traditional hospital. Because I, I personally can't see the trend changing for another five, six, ten years maybe where i think for the next for the foreseeable future governments will continue to squeeze these companies because there's no public backlash i mean no government's going to get into trouble for cutting the costs of going to the hospital so there's no public backlash against this so they they, they almost can do it with impunity it's the same as um, you know attacking uh cigarette companies or smokers yeah. you know, there, there's no public backlash to that So this so i think this will carry on up to a point where hospitals, private hospitals start closing, then the populace will wake up and say, oh, hang on a second, government's actually not doing me a favor by cutting these costs because maybe now I'm going to be forced to go to a government hospital,
1: which no one wants to do. And mm-hmm. that's it. I grew up with the NHS, and uh, quite honestly, it was fantastic, and this was a while ago, but uh, it still is really yeah, good, but obviously back. is creaking at the seams. Have a look at this one, Wayne, from the Stock Exchange News Service Announcements. Rescheduling of release of interim results. When I see that rescheduling of release of interim results, I immediately think, oh my goodness, what's going on here? Then it goes on to say shareholders are advised that the anticipated release of the interim financial results for the six-month period is rescheduled. This will allow the new group financial director to complete a financial review arising in part from the changes to the group's strategic direction. This includes a review of assets and projects across the group's diverse business and geographic portfolio and will inform the requirement for a trading statement in terms of the JSC listings requirements. First thing I say is, goodness me, this doesn't look good. But then when I see what the company's yeah. name is, EOH, I and think it well, I e, yeah. it's, it's just another one. What do you? What is yeah. your reaction when you see this sort of thing?
0: Okay, it's never, ever good news when companies reschedule the release of their financials because it tells you something's gone wrong in the system. Yes. So when you read that statement and look at it, you realize two things. Number one, there's big asset write downs coming. I mean, you just know that. And that might already be in the share price, eh? mm. because I mean, the market knows already there's, 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 there's going to be big, big asset write downs coming there. We also know they're splitting it into two businesses. So maybe that is very complex to get the accounting right on the split and all of that sort of stuff. And you also know the second thing is the new management there is going to kitchen sink the business massively so that you start off at a very low base and you can show improvements from that so in other words and and it's a common thing this you know you never ever waste a bad set of results if you know things are going to be bad rather make it completely and utterly terrible for one year and get rid of any overstatement of any asset or any profit or any provision so that next year you could actually move forward again so i mean the market knows this i mean this year has been Hammered. I, I don't know what today's trading price is and what it did today, but I mean, this thing's down 70%, yeah. if not more, from its absolute peak. Yes.
1: Hey, it's been one of those eyebrow-raising yeah, look, events in the corporate world in South Africa. It's been one yes, of um, a dozen in the last uh, 12 to 18 months, still, maybe more than a dozen. There,
0: yeah. There is still a strong underlying business here that generates annuity income cash flows every month. Many, many customers pay their monthly uh, fee to the company for the maintenance of the IT and the, you know, the running of the IT. So it's not as though there's not a business that doesn't exist in there. But what value do you put on that? Because we know the old business model is gone. The old business model was you running at a forty price earnings ratio share, and you buy companies at an eight price earnings ratio. So you automatically increase your earnings per share. Without living, lifting a finger, other than buying companies at a lower rating than the shares that you're paying for them are rated at. So that's a common, common thing that, and for many, many years, that probably gave you, I don't know, I'm guessing now, but maybe 60 or 80% of the earnings growth in EOH was just buying companies cheaply. Now, when your shares are no longer cheap, that business model disappears in front of your eyes. Now you've got to generate earnings from the actual businesses or earnings growth from the businesses themselves. You can't just buy earnings per share. But as I said, there is a proper business there. I mean, there is a myriad of customers there. And, of course, you've still got the overhang about was there any skullduggery going on there. You just haven't quite got to the bottom of that yet as an investor.
1: Here's another one. Trading statement for the year ended 31st of March. Basic earnings and earnings per share for the full year 2019 are expected to be more than 160% lower than the basic earnings lower. This would be a loss of at least 400 million Rand and a loss per share of at least 591 cents. And headline earnings or rather loss, and headline earnings nice. per share for the full year 2019 are expected to be more than 120% lower, etc. The company's mm. name is Omnia, and then half an hour later, it says that Old Mutual has increased its stake to 10.07% of Omnia. Mm. Maybe they see value there. Lots of stuff going yeah. on here, Wayne. Look, look. Omnia is, is actually,
0: it's, it's, it's a strange thing because up until five or six years ago, this was a winner it was an absolute darling share Hmm. in the last five years it has been through turmoil massive turmoil look they fertilize and and explosives um but they've had a tough market here in south africa yeah and you know you've swung from a profit into a loss as they're saying there it's not good i think this share took a wallop today i think it's down about eight percent again and that thing i mean in the last five years this is also been one of the disasters in on the JSE. Uh, it's not widely owned. I must admit, it's not widely owned. they obviously old mutual. And maybe even other deep value managers will be seeing the true inherent underlying value of the company. All that's needed is a bit of a turnaround in the explosives market or a bit of a turnaround in the fertilizer market. And you buy the shares at these price, you can make a fortune. You just don't know if the turnaround's this year or in 10 years' time. That's the only thing you don't know. So also when you look at uh, Group 5, you know, the deep value managers, even though it was minuscule in their portfolios, the deep value managers were the managers that held, that held Group 5 on more or less the same premise as uh, Omnia or maybe even EOH. You know, when you buy chairs, when you buy, just take Group 5 for an example, if you buy shares that cheap, there's only two outcomes. Either the company's going to go bankrupt or you will make a fortune. So we all know which of the two outcomes happen with Group Five as a company went bankrupt.
1: Yes, indeed. In fact, the company secretary resigned today. Wayne, let's move on to other things now, more contemporary things, and let's not pick over the bones of uh, JSC carcasses. Let's have a look at two things. Inflation came in at one point, sorry, 4.1% for the month of February. And I've spoken to two different people from two different banks, one of which is your bank, FMB, and the other one was Ned Bank, Dennis Dykes' chief economist. They both say they think that inflation has bottomed in South Africa. And in fact, Dennis Dykes said that he thinks... All things being equal, that the next move didn't really wasn't really specific on timing. The next move in South African interest rates will be to the upside, which on top of everything else isn't good news. And the other it thing was that news. retail sales, okay, it was positive, but it was only one point two percent positive for the month of January. Mm. And February and March doesn't look good at all. These are terrible, terrible numbers.
0: Yeah, they are good. They aren't they aren't good. Just coming to inflation, it probably is the bottom of the inflationary cycle for two reasons. The big fall. We've had just recently in the inflation number is primarily due to the year-on-year change in the petrol price. Now that's reversing rapidly. I mean, petrol went mm. up last month, going up again next month.
1: Around the least. So that will,
0: yeah, it, that will reverse out rapidly. But that's that you could almost call a cyclical thing. You know, it's not. In other words, in in a year's time, you could have the same thing happening the other way where the petrol price falls again, I and mean, you just don't know. Um, that the structural underlying rise in inflation will be caused by food inflation coming back into the system. Now, no matter what anyone thinks about this, food inflation in South Africa is very, very low. And in fact, when you read um, Massmart's results or you read uh, 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 ShopRite's results, you know, their internal food inflation is about, call it nothing, you know, 0.2%, 0.3%, half a percent. What people don't realize is food inflation in South Africa essentially boils down to millimil. You know, I don't think food inflation is your little beautiful miniature cultured <laughs> carrots that you buy in a lovely pack at Woolworths. That's not food inflation. <laughs> food inflation is a 50 kilogram bag of millimil. And that is actually negative. So food inflation has got to come back and it's negative because of the drought and a whole lot of reasons. But that will eventually come back into the system so inflation will go up from this 4%, but I'm not actually that worried about inflation. It's not going to soar through 6%. And the Reserve Bank themselves have changed their tune in the last three or four months. They always used to say, we target inflation between 3 and 6 which means 5.99 is acceptable because it's within the target. Now they only say 4.5%. They just say, our target for inflation is 4.5% whether we get there or not is debatable but just to the second point on interest rates the environment has changed so i differ i mean i'm not an economist what the hell do i know but I, my, my view differs a little bit from dennis in that i would have agreed with him 100 that the next move in south african interest rates was going to be up if the u.s federal reserve it's not changed their stance on interest rates in the last three months. Mm-hmm. And, of course, they will hear their story later on tonight, South African time. But it's quite likely they will even come back to the market and tell us that they anticipate, at worst, another one quarter of a percent interest rate hike in America over the next two years and they can even see the possibility of interest rates falling in America towards the middle and end of next year. If that happens, I think there's a maybe a sixty percent chance in South Africa that we will not get an interest rate hike. Well I but hope so if the US Federal Reserve didn't change its stance, it was our view as well and it was my view as well that South African rates would go up.
1: OK, well, we'll see what the, the, the first step in that process is this evening around about eight o'clock South African time. I must admit the last couple of minutes was a bit of a blur because I've got a picture of Wayne McCurry walking down an aisle at Woolworths, his local Woolworths f- food shop, and buying sculpted multicoloured heritage carrots and, put, and mm. boiling them lightly and then putting them... Uh, no, I don't know. I don't, no, combining no, no. them with uh, some lightly salted French organic the, butter and some chopped you're with dill them, with
0: some... Them, with them with some quinoa and some kale. No, no, that's not me, I promise you. No. I'm, a, I'm a meat and potatoes I've guy.
1: seen you get your elbows out and get tucked into some uh, some meals without you knowing I, w- I was looking at you, but you really are a good trencherman. Let's have a look at the Fed as we close this conversation, please, Wayne McCurry, uh, the Fed tonight. Could it surprise us and could it stuff up Trump by saying 25 basis points up because we have full yeah. employment? No, no chance. No,
0: they've, they've been worried about this full employment now for a long time, but it has not Translated into inflation, and thank goodness for that because, quite frankly, it's saved us as investors, us as people, us as emerging market participants. Life would have been significantly worse if that view, if that, if inflation had have come through in the U.S. Now, there's very little sign of 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 any concern around inflation, and equally as important, as maybe more important, than our reserve bank changing their view. The American Federal Reserve has changed their view as well. They always used to have a mantra of two percent inflation. And if it went above two, they would kill it with interest rates. Whereas they've also changed their tune now. They're saying through a cycle, as long as we average two percent, it's fine. So if you spend one year at one and a half, you can spend one year at two and a half because your average is two. And that's a quite a quite a policy change they're having. In other words they might even tolerate a little bit of inflation in the system without moving on interest rates. But we'll find out. I think it's going to be very dovish. And I think that will be bad for the dollars. Hopefully tomorrow we see a slightly stronger end.
1: Let's hope so. Of course, we're off tomorrow, but the RAND traders will still be trading in other geographies. And we'll also be looking at 10 cents results. Wayne, a few people probably a little bit worried going into the public holiday. Wayne McCurry, thank you very much. As always, that was Wayne on Wednesday. And Wayne McCurry will be back with Wayne on Wednesday, same time next Wednesday.